Hello, and welcome to the Tarot to Go radio podcast. I'm Anastasia Hazler. With me tonight, Rose Red. Hello. Andrew. Hello. And Arnavis J. And our very, very special guest, Mary Kay Greer. Yay! Hi, it's wonderful to be here with you. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time, Mary. We really appreciate it. I know you're a very busy woman and going all over the place, so it's very nice to get a little bit of your time. So um, we actually saw you just a couple of weeks ago um, at the Reader Studio in Newark. Yeah, it was exciting to be able to see you. Yes, it was a wonderful event and really exciting that it's grown as much as it has. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, it's the first chance actually that all of us had had to attend it. Um, I keep meaning to go year after year. And, um, you know, but it's easier for me to get to England than it is for me to get to New York. <laughs> and um, finally last year at the Tabby Conference, the Tarot Association of British Isles, Mary Collins said, oh, you have to come to the Reader Studio. So, of course, I did. <laughs> and I'm very glad I did. It was a great experience. And it turned out to be very fortunate that the rest of us also got the opportunity to go. We all put our names on the, uh, the, the call waiting list. And then suddenly three places opened up and we were all able to go. It was uh, quite, quite an opportunity and we took it. Yeah. It's a great place to meet people and after a few years it's like old home week. Mm -hmm. you know, checking in on the developments in tarot, what's going on across the country with different organizations. It's really, uh, besides the, the material you're learning, it's uh, a fabulous chance to really create community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I meant it, it was nice to see people that, you know, I've spoken with or, you know, talked with on the various online forums, you know, like Eclectic and or Tarot L, and suddenly there they are in person, and it's like, wow, you look just like you type. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, sometimes you get to meet people who you never thought you'd get a chance, like Chiro Marchetti was there, who both Artemis and myself are very fond of his artwork, and to meet the man in person, you know, see just how human and approachable he was, and, and cute British accent and everything. And, and trying not to act like a drooling fanboy. That, that's true. I haven't read that up yet, but I, I will be posting that later. Uh, and we got a preview of his new deck along with the video he's uh, done to explain it. It's fabulous. It is, it is fantastic. I turned to him after it was over and I said, so when's the movie coming out? <laughs> yeah, just really amazing stuff. I mean, his artwork is incredible anyway, and then just to see how he's taking it and moving on with these new ideas, these new concepts, and it was just the fact that he's an incredible artist. Indeed, and, and he's like, I don't really know all that much, and yet looking at his art, you would never know that. Yeah, it's, it's, he may not intellectually know, but he feels it, and exactly. that makes a huge difference. And I know Rose Red is just dying to say something about the Tarot Conference. What? The, the Reader Studio. So no, I was. No, you've reminded me twice about this. So okay, go so ahead. Th there is there is a little story that I think is really kind of fascinating to remind uh, Miss Anastasia about, which is a year ago, we were all at Pantheacon, and we had interviewed James Wanless and talked to him about his deck, and we were all picking cards, and Anastasia got the Four of Wands. Now, on the Four of Wands, there is the, the oh goodness, I'm trying to remember now, um, the Washington Monument, um, a, a tower of a hand, and also there is the Statue of Liberty. So when we're looking at this, I'm like, wonder what that means. I guess we're all going to Washington and New York. And then all of a sudden, this year, a year later, where did we end up? 
all of us <laughs> at New York, New York. Yeah. Mm -hmm. or Newark, but it's close enough. You could see the, you know, the across the the water there, the mm -hmm. Statue of Liberty. So it was kind of like, okay, so when are we going to Washington? <laughs> well, actually, my question is, when are we going to Thailand? Oh, okay, well, you so, know, there you go. But yeah, so yeah, because I I completely forgot about this, and Rose Red reminded me when we were there in Newark. It was like, oh, right, yeah, okay, so Thailand next year. I'm sure Ruth Ann Wald will be happy to arrange a reader studio in Thailand just for us. Or Mary, are you going to take another tour and maybe hit Thailand? No, I haven't been invited there, but uh, there's more and more people in um, uh, the Orient, in Korea and in Japan, who are really in Tarot. So I'm hoping to get invited one of those places one of these days. Well, great. Well, let us know. We'll go. Well, we'll follow you. No problem. We'll carry your luggage. I remind you that you promised. Oh, oh, it, it, and it's been recorded, so there you go. Yeah, so we may have to go in your luggage, but we'll carry your luggage. Uh, um, so one of the things um, that Mary shared with us during the announcements period at Reader Studio, um, you have a couple of upcoming events at the Omega Institute, um, Rhinebeck, New York. Do you want to talk about those? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, Rachel Pollock and I have been teaching together at Omega Institute. It's in upstate New York. It's a big New Age summer camp with a whole slew <laughs> of different kinds of workshops. Uh, so we're doing a five-day workshop, uh, residential for uh, most people who live out of the area, followed by a weekend workshop. The five-day one is Becoming a Tarot Reader. And um, although it, we uh, work with people who are absolute beginners, uh, it's really for all levels. Mm -hmm. And so people who are teaching, who uh, want to get ideas about that, we'll just take the, the workshop wherever it goes based on the people. Mm -hmm. Then the weekend is the lessons of tarot. And, um, you know, that's one of the themes. There's tarot for readings, but then there's... Um, the whole sense in the deepest readings that we're getting messages and lessons in everything that happens to us, and the tarot has something to say about that. So um, that there's encoded wisdom in the cards. Mm -hmm. So we're going to cover that uh, over the weekend. Mm -hmm. wow. the, the best thing about Omega is because it's residential, especially the five-day workshop, and because they have wonderful food and a beautiful environment, is it's a total immersion experience. Mm -hmm. We eat together, we hang out together, we, um, uh, besides our more focused classroom time, uh, so it's a chance for people to make lifelong friends and to ask great for me any questions they want. Wow, that's great. How did you and Rachel come to this vision? To doing the Omega Institute? Yes. Um, I was asked to teach there about 22, 23 years ago and started out and taught several classes and Rachel at the time was living in Amsterdam. So she was visiting family um, at the same time as I was teaching my second class and I invited her to stop by and spend the day with us, which was exciting for people. Uh, her 78 uh, degrees of wisdom had already come out mm -hmm. and people were familiar with that. And um, it was just so obvious that between the two of us, we really had so much more to share in our interaction. Um, at the time, we had um, quite a few differences of opinion that I noticed we didn't always have anymore. We just have to fake arguments next day. But we started out having, you know, these really just discussions in front of people who were going, oh my God, you can disagree. <laughs> 
I'm thinking, so how can I get more time off to go do that and still keep my job? <laughs> Maybe you better look into cloning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it's just like, okay, if I do this, then I could do this, and then I could take these days off, and I haven't quite figured out how to make it all work yet, but, but I haven't stopped trying either. Yeah. On the point of total immersion, I think that's one of the uh, experiences I totally enjoyed through the Reader Studio. Uh, you, Rachel, Bob Place, Joanna, Julia, um, a lot of the deck creators that were there participated directly with the participants at the tables. Um, I believe the count was roughly around 140 different readers that were there, as well as uh, uh, Wald and Ruth Ann. And um, you, all of you were very accessible to, to any question, any exercise that we were doing, so we could see that uh, you were willing to share your wisdom person to person, if need be, uh, uh, from that close of a relationship. Yeah, well, one thing we've discovered is over the years is that somebody who comes to one of these events for the very first time, who for the first time feels they're not alone in their love of tarot, might two or three years later be coming back as a deck creator or an author. Mm -hmm. And um, we've seen that happen so many times that we realize there really isn't any difference between us, you know, when you say the participants, we're all participants, we're all lovers of tarot. And... Um, that's something that's just so clear to me. I'm in awe of everyone who is there. They all have a story. They're all doing something extraordinary. You too. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the other experimental things you're doing with media, I mean, you're really uh, starting to make marks for yourselves too. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting out there, you know. Put our first video out uh, a couple weeks ago. Yay! And uh, with James Wanless. And that's that's starting to go, so we're very excited about that. And um, you know, just getting the podcast back on track after a bit of hiatus while I was going through all kinds of technological wonderment of migrating the website and migrating the podcast and everything else. People kept writing in, "When are you doing a new one?" Soon as I get the rest of the technology under control. Yeah. Um, so speaking of technology, you have a blog, Mary. Yes, I have a blog. It's so much fun. So tell us about your wonderful blog. I've, I've been following it since you set it up, but for people who've not been lucky enough to find it yet, where do they find it and what will they find there? Uh, well, the address is www... Um, oh, no, excuse me. It's no, there's no W's on it. No W's. It's HTTP dot um, or colon slash slash and then Mary Greer, as if it was one word, dot WordPress, one word again, dot... Uh, com. And um, the, the thing, people have been telling me, you know, you really need to do a blog. And I looked at a bunch of them, and there were an awful lot of people doing personal journal kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And I don't even write personal journal kinds of things in my journal <laughs> very occasionally. 
when I really have to get something out. For the most part, I write about ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, rough, rough draft of, uh, you know, a book I'm working on um, or material for classes. So, um, you know, I realized that this wasn't going to work for me and so it just waited me um, from writing, like, personal essays or journal uh, articles. And then, um, as I looked at more blogs, uh, more of them came on, I really realized you could do anything you wanted. Uh -huh. And that appealed to me tremendously. So I decided my blog would be the place that I could do anything I wanted. And um, uh, one of the first things I started doing was I got tons of material on my computer, which is, in these cases, my brain. Um, so my memory and my computer, which um, don't really go in tarot books since tarot, uh, publishers are not terribly interested in getting into the finer, more subtle details of history right. and uh, some of the controversies that I like. Um, you know, they want good how-to books. Mm -hmm. So I've got all this mo uh, more factual, interesting, uh, biographical, gossipy material. <laughs> gossipy about people from a couple of hundred years ago uh -huh. and I love that stuff uh -huh. so um, I started out putting quite a bit of that on there some of the roots of uh, playing card divination uh, and um, I've just been going wherever my interest at the moment happens to take me mm -hmm. oh, it's, it's, I've greatly been enjoying reading it and it's like, huh, I wonder what Mary wrote about this week. Yes. And um, it's, I occasionally really like what you write, and I kind of cross-reference it on our blog. <laughs> it's like, in case you haven't read Mary's blog this week, you need to check out this article. Um, well, well, the last one, um, you were talking about hidden influences. Um, that's the last one I cross-posted about, because um, I just really liked that posting. Um, because it, it makes people think about... You know, because it's kind of at the back of your head. It's like, well, there's this and there's this and there's this. And, you know, this is a cup, so it's water. It's about emotion. But there's other stuff Something going on. on. Mm -hmm. And so it was really nice just to have you kind of just lay it out there. And that is one of the things I enjoy about your blog is you just kind of lay it out there. And it's like, well, here it is. <laughs> Instead of making it all nice and happy and pretty and, and everybody has a smiley face. <laughs> Well, I, um, I do try to put things on every once in a while that people might want to challenge, and mm -hmm. I really encourage anyone to go ahead in the comments and challenge anything I've written there, um, you know, or if you've got questions about it, ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I like that because you also respond. You don't just let them accumulate and ignore them. Well, so far I have. Right now I've got a little more time uh, home mm -hmm. after the last couple of years. Who knows what's going to happen in the future when I am on the road a lot more. Right. But for now, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, sometimes it can be a real challenge because, you know, we get comments on our blog and I get busy for a couple of days. It's like, I'll get to these, I'll get to these. And then, you know, I'll open up one morning. It's like, you have 27 comments for moderation. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I know what I'm doing this morning <laughs> before breakfast. Even if a lot of them are spam. Oh yeah, once you eliminate all the spam ones, there's still maybe 10 good ones that really, it's like, okay, this deserves some kind of acknowledgement, some kind of response, mm -hmm. so. Um, but yeah, so I've I, I just been, you know, like I said, reading your blog and following it and just all the different interesting topics. And this week you've brought up some really interesting things, so do you want to talk about some of those? Um, well, I'm not sure which ones you're specifically referring to. Um, you know, I've gotten into the whole issue of uh, psychic and intuitive. Right, and that that was kind of that was two days ago, three days ago. 
that, no, that was about um, a week or two ago. Okay, it's, it's all blurring together now. Yeah. It's, I'm blaming everything on the heat. It's really, really hot here. Uh. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, um, and I know she got, uh, I'm trying to remember, there were some comments back on that one. Yeah, don't ask me to remember what the comments are. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that did get people going. Yes. Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing is I looked on the Internet and I looked up tarot and then I also put in the words psychic and intuitive. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised how many sites um, there are probably, you know, in the thousands. Mm -hmm. People say they are a psychic intuitive tarot reader. Uh -huh. And I, I looked through, you know, maybe 30 or 40 sites to see how they distinguish this, you know, it, it's what it is all about. And mostly they were using it as kind of a redundant phrase. Mm -hmm. We're trying to say the same thing, but using words um, that, I guess, would appeal to different people. But basically they weren't distinguishing at all. Yes, I, um, I'm one of these people who likes to um, define things pretty specifically. Mm -hmm. And uh, having studied, done many psychic development classes and studied intuition, I had developed a very strong difference in definitions between the two. Mm -hmm. um, for one thing, to me, intuition is a very um, natural, uh, ordinary faculty of the mind, uh, the intellect, that notices things but we're not aware that we've noticed that we've put them together instantly into patterns or associations. Mm -hmm. uh, they say that when somebody goes for a job interview, that the interviewer decides within the first 10 seconds whether they're going to hire them or not. Sometimes as many as 15, but... <laughs> Pardon? Sometimes it, it takes 15 seconds, but yeah, but it's, no. it's, it's a pretty quick decision-making process. Um, it seems to be, and they've really studied, you know, what's going on because there's all these impressions that um, just hit the person right away and they meet the uh, interviewer, and the interviewer may not even be aware that they've made the decision. Mm -hmm. um, they think that they're going through and uh, considering everything very carefully. Um, so that's um, what we would call intuitive, where the information is right there. Right. It's just our mind is processing it so fast that we're not consciously aware of it. And we create a pattern of meaning out of uh, these impressions. Mm -hmm. The um, psychic, on the other hand, is paranormal, mm -hmm. outside of the normal, in that there is no information actually there. So. Um, I mean, an example I gave was, um, and many of us have had this, the phone rings and we know immediately who it was. Right. So, um, I had it happen where the phone rang at work many long years ago, and I just jumped up, I'll get it, it's my husband, he's been in a car accident. Wow. And uh, until I had said that, I had no idea I was going to say it. Uh-huh. Um, and immediately I picked up the phone and he's on the other end, he had just been in a, in a car accident. Wow. That's the only phone call I've ever in my life gotten from anybody, and I won't say how old I am, but it's <laughs> quite advanced. Um, the only phone call I've ever had in my life uh, from somebody who's uh, just been in a car accident. Wow. Um, so, um, you know, it's not something you would normally expect. There was nothing to have gone on. Mm -hmm. um, that. So, um, I, and the other thing is that for me, um, most psychic impressions, not all of them, um, seem so factual 
and so logical that um, they're hardly worth mentioning. It's like, well, everybody would know that. Right. It's obvious. Why even bother mentioning it? Uh -huh. And it's almost as if a part of the mind rejects, um, you know, rejects information um, as, you know, you don't need to bother. Mm -hmm. um, right. It just is. Yeah. It's like, well, and, you know, yeah. it doesn't, it, like you said, it doesn't even bear mentioning. It just is. Yeah, and there's often no emotion connected, which was a really good point for me to learn when my daughter was growing up because she'd be off somewhere and I'd start getting this fear that something had happened to her. Mm -hmm. And I went back to my lessons and my principles and I realized that, um, you know, if I was feeling kind of a blind panic fear about my daughter, it was my stuff and not a psychic impression. Right. right. Yeah. So it was my, my test case. I, you know, the, the point to be worried is the moment that you know something's happened and it's not that, um, you know, panic fear. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's not a generic kind of anxiety you're talking about? Because you said the phone call, you knew as soon as the phone rang, it was from your husband and he had just been in a car accident. Not a general, oh, well, my husband's going to call me and it's going to be about something bad. It was very specific. Right, and, and when I knew it, there was, you know, no, um, you know, fear or anxiety around it. It was a fact. Mm -hmm. it, it just was. I mean, it's not even a fact. It just is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, phone calls are really uh, a common example when people are talking about psychic impressions. And um, I actually got a f I went home a couple months ago, um, February, and there was a message from my oldest brother on my answering machine. And I never hear from him unless somebody dies. It, really, that's the only time I hear from him. He calls me to tell me that a relative has died and there's, you know, when the funeral is. Um, but this time it's like, no, he, 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 he's not calling me to tell me someone's died. Because um, I knew um, our middle brother had gone to China. Oh. And I figured, okay, so he's either gotten married or gotten deported. <laughs> and he got married. Um, but that wasn't a psychic thing. That was just kind of knowing my brother, you know, knowing my oldest brother's pattern, knowing my middle brother's behavioral right. concerns. Um, and I could make an educated guess. Yeah. It's like, well, but how did you know? And it's like, because I just know my brothers. That wasn't a psychic flash. But you had inside information. Whereas, yeah. whereas for example, as, as in with Mary's example, I have a similar one. Um, we had gone to visit my grandmother over the summer. She was fine. Everything was great. We came home. And then, like, two months after that, all of a sudden the phone rings, and I looked at my mother, and I'm like, you need to answer that. That's grandma. About grandma. She's passed away. And the whole family kind of looked at me like, you're crazy. Mom picks it up, and that's what it was. Yeah. And that it doesn't happen often. It just happens around phone calls, which is really kind of weird, because it's happened more than once. What's the bringing of news, though? Right, exactly. Mary, the question I would ask is, do you, uh, in your research, do you see the use of the term psychic as more of a marketing tool or um, not necessarily a ploy, but uh, a tool to kind of entice more people uh, to be attracted to Tarot in general? Yes, because that's what most people associate, you know, the general public associate the Tarot cards with uh, psychic information. And um, the idea of a psychic, uh, as a matter of fact, some of them on the internet and other places will advertise themselves as, you know, 90 or 95% correct all the time. Right. It, you know, it, um, there's a little bit of falseness to it, but people go to readings often because they uh, want to 
be reassured that uh, they're going to get concrete information and that it's going to be accurate. And they think that a psychic is going to be more accurate than any other kind of information. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we've all talked to someone, if not had the experience of our, ourselves, of going to a psychic and had them tell us something um, that, you know, we just can't think how they could possibly have known that. And um, I think to some extent it's a little dangerous, and partly because if that person says something that, um, you know, seems to be miraculous that they could possibly have known, then if they give us any advice, there's a tendency to think that that's what we're supposed to do, that we really have to do that mm -hmm. because they know. Yeah. Um, to me, that's not the, the best attitude to have in working with the tarot. Mm -hmm. But then that's my own, um, you know, my own approach to it, too, mm -hmm. which is a different. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we, we do um, tarot readings at street fairs and renaissance fairs and things in the Bay Area. And um, people have very different ideas about what to expect when they come up and say, I want a tarot reading. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that to comply with San Francisco ordinance, we have to make very clear to people, and we have a big sign up front, you know, I'm not a psychic, I do not predict the future, I'm not a fortune teller. And people come up and say, well, then what good are you? Yeah. Right. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, you wrote, you, you, you're not, you don't really want to pay me for me to tell you what to do. You know, this is about you getting insight so you can make your own decision. No, yes. I want you to tell me what to do. And Rose Red and I actually had a, a client yeah. last summer who, um, you know, sat down with Rose Red and Rose Red did her whole reading and everything else. And the woman was completely dissatisfied because she wanted to be told, you need to do this. Right. And, and, and she even stated what she wanted to be told to do. And my <laughs> response to that was, well, then you already know. Why do you need me to give you permission to do it? Yeah. You know, you, you have the tools right there. So why are you wanting me to tell you it's okay? And she's like, well, I, you need to tell me. And I'm like, well, I can't. <laughs> So she was like, well, I want somebody else. So I said, okay, Anastasia, go for it. Yeah, and so I read for her, and you know, it came up, and the other cards were saying, look, you're at a major decision point. You need to decide and make a decision and go forward, because it, it really was this fork in the road kind of reading. And she said, well, what should I do? Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, it's your life. You need to answer that question for yourself. We've given you lots of insight in these two readings. You need to make your decision. And she really wanted us to make a decision for her, and that's not what this is about. And I, I think you're right that you know, someone who... Um, maybe didn't have that particular orientation towards their tarot work would say, oh, well, you know, I know what's best for this person. I'm going to tell her to do this. Like, you don't know. No, we, you, you can never know. And it's up to the person because it's their life. They're the ones that are going to walk in those shoes after you're done. So. Well, you and I agree on that, um, you know, all of us here. But um, there are plenty of tarot readers who have taken it on themselves to be the one who tells um, the, the client exactly what to do. Yeah. And they, uh, some of these people don't want the client to say anything at all. Mm -hmm. um, they're, the reader is simply going to read the cards, which usually involves a healthy, healthy dose of advice in it. Right. And then the, the reader feels they, they walk away and whatever the person does with it, that's their business. Um, I just wonder if there was uh, some scientific test how many of those back um, with you know how accurate it really would be and we're at a place in tarot that I think we really need to start um, getting research mm -hmm. finding out what really does work what works best what really helps people um, 
you know, is it, is it helpful? Uh, from my point of view, is it more helpful to be able to give a person a reading that's 100% accurate about something that's going to happen in the future? Or is it more important to be able to um, help them to, uh, in a way that serves their purpose? Right. It helps them make their own decisions that they can be proud of, that they can stand behind. Mm -hmm. And clearly my point of view, and I think yours too, is that it's much better if we can help them come to their own decisions more clearly, more with more understanding of what's going on, what the opportunities are there, what the possibilities are, than to be 100% accurate in some kind of prediction. Right. Because yeah, I mean, some days, you know, I have enough trouble being responsible for my own decisions in my own life. Mm -hmm. You know, there are days where it's like, you know, deciding what to have for breakfast just completely breaks me. <laughs> and so the idea that I'm going to sit down and do a reading for somebody who's coming to, you know, research a major question, you know, I'm thinking about quitting my job, selling my house, and moving to Morocco. How am I supposed to take that responsibility to make that decision for them when I can't figure out what to eat for breakfast that day? Exactly. Well, Mary, this ties us into uh, the James Wells exercise uh, at the Reader Studio, uh, his premise about the answer being in the question, and getting more of an interactive um, communication with the, the person that you're reading for. The, the technique that James used was one that we were able to carry away from us, and, and I found it in our reading at the following uh, festival that we read at just uh, last weekend. Pagan, uh, Pagan, Pagan, Pagan Pride. Pagan Pride Festival. Um, on readings that tend to stall on a particular card, um, by asking the querent to become involved, they get the empowerment to choose between a decision point on where they want to where they want to go, um, they're not being told which way to navigate. Uh, I had a, a Japanese client um, sit down, and uh, she was trying to decide school in Berkeley or should I go to New York to meet my boyfriend, and I couldn't really tell her which way to go. Both um, ingredients of those those answers were were in the cards, um, but. What I wanted her to leave with was she has the opportunity to make that choice herself, and and hopefully that's what she left with, and you know that gave her enough insight to to make her decision. Yeah, well, at one of the earliest reader studios, I did um, a workshop that was also on questions, the art of asking questions, and so um, I had uh, people when they were reading for the other person, the only thing they could do was uh, when they looked at the cards was to ask open-ended questions, similar to what James did, of the, their clarence, mm -hmm. the person for whom the reading was being done. And um, afterwards, uh, I checked with quite a few people as to how it went, you know, we kind of asked around. And I was surprised that there were a number of people who were very upset by being forced to do this. <laughs> and they felt that it was wrong. It was not but if they did that. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, this is the one thing people come, I think, uh, pretty far. The Reader's uh, Studio has been helpful in that. Uh, more books coming out uh, advocating this. Uh, interactive kind of way of reading, and people are becoming a little more used to it. But at the uh, first reader studio, there were a lot of people, especially from the East Coast, uh, who um, didn't think you were doing your job if you asked the parent question. Huh? How are you supposed to 
get better interpretations if you don't ask questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just seems kind of obvious to me, but it, it's, I don't know, maybe, wow. Um, hmm, interesting. I, I, I think it'd be interesting now if you went and did that same workshop again, what the reaction would be. That would be interesting to see. Something. I mean, he did his own very unique approach to it, but mm -hmm. uh, it was the same principle, and I didn't hear anybody complaining about the process. So I think there has been a shift, or else it was a different group of people. Um, who knows? But this does bring up another one of the controversies, and that's the whole question of cold reading. Mm -hmm. Because if the tarot reader asks questions, of the um, clarent, then uh, they could be using the answers to those to twist the reading around and make it seem like they, um, you know, know more than they do. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a way to kind of obliquely ask if somebody married or, um, you know, where a certain problem is. You can ask leading questions and get an awful lot of information. Right. Very true. Yeah, and that's basically what cold reading does. Um, I mean, it, it reads the mannerisms, the way the eyes look. It, it, it reads a whole series of things off the person. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of them is, um, you know, asking questions, getting affirmations, you know, is, is this accurate for you, um, you know, yes or no. Do you know anybody whose uh, name begins with C? No. Right. Uh, these are used, um, you see them on the psychics on TV. Mm -hmm. um, there's a series of questions that, that will narrow down the options so they can, the reader can seem to be very smart. Mm -hmm. What I found is that we do use some of the techniques that are used in cold readings. Um, the thing is that most of us have no idea about cold readings. We're none of, very few of us have ever been trained in that. Right. Our intention is completely different. And so what I try to do, since I do a, a lot of inter um, interactive um, readings, that's my main style, is that I try to be what I call very transparent. Mm -hmm. I let a person know, you know, when I turn the card over, you drew back. What were you feeling at that moment? Right. To know what the clue was. Mm -hmm. What I'm responding to, so that we both can go deeper into the situation. Right. Well, again, you're involving them, you're engaging them, yeah, making them a part of the process, which mm -hmm. I think is what draws out more interaction, more self-assessment, because we're we're doing this to help people answer their own questions. Yeah. So. Um, Getting the person to acknowledge, getting the person to engage, getting the person to answer questions and perhaps even realize, you know, vocalize things that might be lurking in the back of their mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, when the querent flips over a card and they look at it and go, that looks exactly like my stepfather. It's like, oh, I think we just hit something you might want to talk about here. Yeah, exactly. the very fact that it reminded that person of that person in their life, yes. Yeah. Well, I had a querent flip over a card. It was the uh, Waitsmith uh, Three of Swords. And beyond the standard understanding that it's a sorrowful type of, you know, uh, thinking, um, she saw it as her three sons um, oh, wow. and, and the trouble that each of the three sons had brought to her. Mm. Um, she still had love for them, um, but their, her love was spiked by the three swords that was in the heart. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, and, the, and you know, it's so much more powerful for the person when they come to the insight themselves. Right. They're going to remember, but like she'll probably remember, oh, I recognized my three sons when I saw that three of swords. That's exactly right. You know, I have that sorrow. Whereas if you looked at the card and said, oh, there's three people in your life that are causing, you know, have a lot of pain for you, and they're going, oh, you're so right, how do you know? <laughs> It's not the same thing as when she says, you know, those are my three sons. No, I think you're right, because she's more inclined to take the impact of seeing that card and her understanding of that exercise is going to go deeper with her. Yeah, and it's more empowering for her um, to have recognized the truth, to have recognized something. I always try to have the person come to their own summary and their own understanding of the card. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's totally different than what I thought we had said in the reading itself. <laughs> Even if it is, I, I try to honor that mm -hmm. um, and um, have them hear what they came to. Um, so this kind of segues into also um, uh, we were talking earlier about um, avoiding the negatives versus calling it like it is when a card like the Three of Swords comes up. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, look, um, Three of Swords, this is a card of a past sorrow because your present life is just perfect. <laughs> well, no, actually, it's not. Um, and, you know, it's, it's um, sometimes the reader has an issue around a card and the, the client is just like, yeah, whatever, this doesn't bother me. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes the client will have an issue around a card, and it's, you know, in pots, the reader's like, it's the Ten of Cups. How could you have an issue around this? Or Kevin Quigley's story about the one client who, uh, the, the Queen of Cups, I think, came up, and they grabbed the card and said, I don't want this, and threw it across the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the Queen of Cups is the most innocuous, sweet looking uh, figure. Yeah, she's a nice, dreamy, blonde mm -hmm. woman. She's got that pretty cup, and, you know, what could possibly be upsetting? And yet, you know, who knows? Maybe it looks like her stepmother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Indeed. Well, the question comes up when you um, are doing a reading for someone and all the cards come out to be these dire, horrible things. It came up recently on one of the tarot discussion lists, and uh, the person who, was, who wrote into the list asking for advice um, was not terribly experienced at reading. It was the first time she had done a reading for someone else where all the cards were the heavy-duty, oh. frightening cards. Uh -huh. um, and what us... It was kind of divided in the response. There was a whole group of people going, oh, well, I'm sure it wasn't all that bad. Or, um, you know, even if um, it was potentially bad, you've now been able to warn her so that uh, it doesn't have to happen. And um, what it turned out was the woman um, for whom the reading had been done said that um, she had recently found a lump in her breast mm. and uh, was you know, beginning to be concerned about it, and here are these heavy cards. Right. So, um, I mean, definitely, uh, if someone told me that they had just found a lump and I had all those heavy cards, I would say uh, get you to a uh, physician as quickly as possible to clear up your own mind, if nothing else. Right. Because this, the reading could be a mirror of the person's mind showing the agony or the, the, the difficulty she's going through trying to decide whether she wants to go into the doctor or not, or is it really important or not, that, um, you know, thinking about it 
can be worse than the actual situation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you let it hang. On the other hand, it could be that it's a very, very serious situation, and there's no guarantees that her going into the doctor is going to mean that it was totally taken care of and fixed. Right. And so many of the people advising wanted this young woman to believe that she had averted a disaster at the worst, and now everything was going to be okay, and, and that she could tell the person, you know, it's good you, you came to me because now it can all be fixed. Well, no. <laughs> and some of us that are more experienced are going, no, sometimes things happen, bad things happen. Yeah, and sometimes things just can't be fixed. Mm-hmm. We don't really know when the cards come up, so we have to be able to acknowledge this there are problems. Mm-hmm. Because and then talk about what's possible to do about them. Right, because sometimes you know a problem just cannot be fixed right now or sometimes at all. And also, you know, we don't all live at Disneyland. <laughs> and it's okay. There are real emotions in the world and we need to deal with them. And that sometimes that might be what she needs to look at, you know, with that came up and, hey, here's something you might want to look at instead of, oh, it's all fixed now because you know. Well, you don't know until you actually deal with those issues. Yeah. Well, living in San Francisco, um, you know, through the 70s, 80s, uh, I got, had plenty of experience of people coming and uh, sitting down wanting a reading uh, where they had uh, discovered they had AIDS mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for a while and their partner and their friends have all died. And sometimes they would say, you know, when am I going to die? Not am I going to, because this is the earlier days, but when am I going to? Do I have time to do this? Do mm-hmm. I have time to do that? Wow. And, um, you know, I'm sure you all have probably went across that, too. I mean, we've, we've had these situations um, in our life. And um, I've learned to really sit first with a person when those heavy cards come up and first just acknowledge it's not always easy. There seems to be a, a problem here. Uh, have you been frightened about something? Mm-hmm. Grieving somewhere. And to acknowledge that, it doesn't mean we can't go on and look for uh, what opportunities there are in the spread or where there are lessons or where we can make the best out of the situation. We can do that, but first we have to acknowledge when it's very clear that um, the person might be in very, very great pain. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, we were doing um, some readings at uh, Renaissance Fair up in Tahoe last year, and a woman sat down and just doing you know quick three card spreads. Death card comes up, and um, you know did the usual thing of you know death card doesn't necessarily mean death, and you know start doing the whole thing. Um, and she said no, I, two days ago I was diagnosed with a fatal disease. It's like okay, well then we could just look at this reading around your death. And she was actually remarkably okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was just coming to get some clarity about how to deal with it because, of course, you know, her life had just been turned upside down two days ago by getting this diagnosis of an incurable terminal disease. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, since that is the reality, um, you know, let's just go, go with the reading from that perspective. But you know, had she not told me, the reading would have been, you know, completely different character. Correct. Because it's like, well, this is about transition. This is about change. This is about blah blah blah. Well, it is, but it's a pretty major transition here. Right. You know, this isn't just moving from, you know, Tahoe to Reno or something. Um, so, in in that case, I'm very glad that she was straight with me about, you know, no, this is, this this really is the death card. 
because um, I think then you know, the other cards made more sense, if you will. Yeah. Um, but you know, I was wondering. It's like so. Sometimes the death card comes up. Does somebody? Does the client know something that I don't? And they're not in a place where they're willing to deal with that, and so they don't want to talk about it. And then somehow, because they're not doing that, I can't give them the best reading possible because I don't have that information. Yeah. I mean, there's always a few people who are going to block the process. Um, luckily, it doesn't happen a whole lot for me, but um, when it does happen, there's sometimes you just realize, you know, I, I kind of fall back on um, the old uh, classic interpretations for the card and I, cards, and I give them a very straight interpretive reading, just you know, straight out of the book, kind of, you know, and, um, and let it go because there's some people that there is no dialogue, there is no facing what's really happening. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I did have um, a reading one time with, um, actually I was being uh, filmed, it was on videotape, and the uh, filmmaker had brought a, a person along for me to do a reading for somebody I'd never met before mm -hmm. and she sat down and we pulled the death card and judgment and the moon and I think the nine or ten of swords wow. and you know these are all heavy <laughs> cards and uh, I'm looking at it not really wanting to this was years ago not not really wanting to say you know is somebody dying in your life mm -hmm. and I hedged around at first and finally I just looked at her and I said you know there's some really serious parts here is there anything around death going on in your life and she started to laugh which I thought was funny at first she was a hospice nurse Oh, oh that, yeah, yeah. Her, her whole work was to be around the dead and dying, and she was getting burned out. Mm -hmm. She was in that burnout phase. So it turned out that she was a hospice nurse, and mm. she was dealing with the burnout. Yeah. I mean. So I guess if you hadn't asked the question on what she felt the cards were indicating, you might have assumed that the death was in her personal life as opposed to her professional life? Um, yeah, I, I did at first think, oh my God, is somebody going to die, you know, in her, mm -hmm. her life? Um, and I was a little worried about, you know, being filmed, making a prediction of death, you know, that I never had anything like that before. Yeah, right. you'd be playing up the Hollywood hype on that one. Yeah, yeah, it was scary. But um, I did have a, a reading once where the very last card was the Four of Swords which some people take more as a death card than, um, than the death card itself. Mm -hmm. um, not always, though. It's got plenty of other meanings. But I looked at it, and I, uh, I was doing a reading for an 80-year-old Russian intellectual woman. Wow. And I just looked at her, and I said, have you ever thought of suicide? And she said, yes, I've told my children that when I can no longer climb the stairs into my house, I am going to commit suicide. Hmm. Wow. They don't understand, and it's the most painful thing I've ever had to deal with. Wow. Because for her, with her background, it made complete sense. It was mm -hmm. a choice she had coming out of her, you know, kind of the Russian intelligentsia, um, a thought that that's the ultimate freedom you have to choose your own time of death. Mm -hmm. Her children had grown up in England, and without that kind of um, intellect or without that thinking, mm -hmm. and they just couldn't accept it. 
Right. Very angry at her. So the whole reading was um, about the communication with her children about this. Mm -hmm. uh, what could she do about the pain that she felt? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, great. So um, we're about out of time here. Is there any last minute something that we haven't covered yet that you're just dying to talk about? What would you want to tell a reader about <laughs> handling the tough cards? Handling the tough cards? Um, uh, well, first of all, if it's something that could very easily be a, a difficulty, you know, the tower comes up, um, the, you know, five of, of cups, I mean, whenever that comes up, I always check to see if somebody's dealing with a grief issue, if there's been a loss. Mm -hmm. The tower comes up, if, you know, there's something shocking, uh, very destructive that's happened. If it's in the near future, then, you know, I'll just say, you know, this could be tough. And then um, it's, a, it's amazing how many people go, uh, well, I knew it wasn't going to be easy. Mm. And then we talk about, well, what are the potential possibilities here with that card in the, itself? Because it, the tower, for instance, is an opportunity to clean out all kinds of stuff that's been stuck. Mm -hmm. um, it's also an opportunity to really speak your anger uh, that has been withheld so that it doesn't explode bigger. Right. So you can sometimes catch it like letting the, um, the steam off of a steam kettle so that it doesn't explode. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a pressure cooker, I mean. Um, you know, there, there are ways to ameliorate it at the same time, acknowledge that, you know, you're uh, at a dangerous junction here. Um, there is a potential for, um, you know, great difficulty. Let's see how you can meet that in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Excellent. So, Mary, is there anything else you want to wrap up with? Uh, come to Omega. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, like I said, if we just work out the, uh, the being absent from all the day-to-day -day responsibilities. Um. How about the rest of you all? <laughs> how many slots do you have? Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what the, the schedule is, but uh, they just move us to a bigger room if we need it. Well, see, there you go, Artemis. You can go ahead and go for it. And the dates would be? Oh, the dates, of course. Um, the five-day workshop is June 8th through 13th, so it's coming up really quick. And the weekend one is June 13th and 15th. A lot of people stay and do both. They do a whole seven days since we do something different in each one. Wow. wow. And then you have to go back to work on Monday and like back I know, to, it's difficult. Back to real, back to your other non-tarot life. That must be kind of uh, mind-bending. It was hard enough after, you know, three days, four days at the reader studio. Yeah, but think of how much better your readings will be. That's true. True, It true. would be amazing. <coughs> and, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like I said, if we just sort out the uh, demands of the of real life, of the quotidian life. I won't say it's the real life, but quotidian life. Um, it's it's still there, um, and I haven't won the lottery yet. So <laughs> great. Well, thank you so much, Mary. Really appreciate your time. It's been fabulous as always. Yes, definitely. Thank you very much. Oh, I love doing it. Well, I'm so glad, and we'll catch up with you um, later this year after you after your next round of travels and see what you're up to. Okay. Wonderful. Have well, good evening. Great. Thanks, you too. And thank you to Artemis. Thank you. And Rose Red. Thank you. And Andrew. Thank you. And to all of our listeners. And this has been the Tarot to Go podcast with Mary Kay Greer. Thanks so much for listening. Any comments, feel free to email us at podcast at tarot-2-go.net. 
and we'll get back to you. Anybody you want to hear, let us know. We'll line them up. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back on the air soon. Thanks so much. Bye -bye. Good night. Bye.